Well, hello, folks, and welcome to We the People. This is the American Soccer Podcast, in which you're going to get to know everything that you need to know about the U.S. men's national team. I'm Clayton. I'm a rapper. I'm Ty. I'm a web designer. And we Luddenats. Can we do that again? Sure. That was really fun. Can we do it again? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, hello, folks. Welcome to We the People. It's the American Soccer Podcast. We're going to get to know everything you need to know. I'm playing I'm a rapper. Oh, you meant the game. I don't know what we're doing now. You, you meant the game. I meant, yeah, I was making an off-the-cuff joke about let's my bad. play that game again. My bad, my bad. It's We the People. It's We the People. It's We the People. It's We the People. The game was none other than USA versus Mexico, the Hex versus the Mex. And I will use that as much as possible uh, in this episode because it is the last time we will be discussing a Hex versus Mex for quite a long time, folks. Uh, Fair to say this is four more years. Fair to say, well, not quite four, but, you know, almost four years. Four more years just has a ring to it. I wanted to use it, but yeah, thanks, asshole. (laughs) (laughs) It's fair to say that this is, if you're an American soccer fan, this was a fucking classic. A classic Mm. match on the pitch versus two heavyweights of the CONCACAF region. We're going to dive into all the ins and outs of this game, this camp in general, uh, where we stand in World Cup qualifying, what's to come, all of that. But first, boys, line up. Line them up. Funny how we, we just, just, just got comfortable. Uh, and we're starting to make comments about how predictable these lineups were. <clears throat> Hold on to yep. your hats, boys and girls. This, this one's is a not a typo. Funky. This, this is, is not a typo. Not Get out a there. A typo. You guys ready? You guys ready? Brad Guzan. Huh. Okay. Both gloves. That's weird. Yeah, we're going to go weird. with you, Guzan. I thought Tim Howard was the starter. Number they one. Said they was made the this whole big deal one. about it. Yeah, there so was weird. a whole, okay. Okay. Like a whole keep, announcement. Keep Okay, yeah. okay, okay. <laughs> Press conference. Fine. Yeah, keep going. So uh, for our center back pairing, oh, uh, actually, we're going to have three in the back, folks. Uh, what? It's going to be three at the back. Cameron Omar Galaxy. You know him, you love him. It's Omar Galaxy. Omar Gonzalez and Tim Ream are going to be our three defenders. What? On the left, we're going to have uh, Scarab Magic aficionado, the, the, the mummy incarnate, Demarcus Beasley. The the man who cannot the the no, larva. Marcus Beasley wasn't couldn't have possibly been playing. Oh no 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 that, that, no he's, he didn't he's just seventy two years old. He didn't just play. Nor did he play or coach. He he started ninety minutes. He, he's ninety minutes. He's so old. He's so old. He voted for Brexit. <laughs> On the right side, we're <laughs> gonna have the 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 uh, 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 DeAndre Yedlin completing another father son pairing between Demarcus Beasley and DeAndre Yedlin uh, for for this U.S. men's national team. <laughs> it's another father son. <laughs> it's the first time in American soccer history in the same qualifying cycle. We have two, two father son duos. Have duos. Have appeared. Okay, I can't believe okay, it. Okay, so uh, here we go. This one's cool. We're gonna have two holding midfielders, Michael Bradley and Kellen Acosta. Get okay, the start. Okay, we were hoping Get for the that. Start. Yep. And then we're going to play three in the front. Our Wunderkinder, Christian Pulisic, 
Bobby Ood, Ood, Ood. The kid. The Oodster, the kid. And Paulie Nips, Areola. Paulie it, Nips? It's, it's, almost, it's almost as if these players were chosen for a combination of quality of play and quality of nicknames. Right, right. Uh, because yeah, we know Ood and Areola mind. have solid-ass nicknames on this show. Right, right. And Christian Pulisic is good, so that's probably how that yeah, choice was made. that, helps. that uh, helps. Guys, let me tell you what happened in this game real quick, just in case you didn't see it. And if you did see it, maybe you'll enjoy hearing it again, because this was uh, not so bad for, if you're a U.S. Epic fan. Epic match. So it, yep. it, this opened up um, with, not, I think, nothing but trepidation for any U.S. fan seeing this lineup, seeing how many changes there were. There were. Uh, is Bruce crazy? Is he an insane? person um, and we saw the US come out with uh, two very important things that were very encouraging for everyone high intensity clear intention just lots and lots and lots of it and very well organized defensive blocks this shit mm-hmm. looked like Atletico Madrid bro it was beautiful to watch both teams so so the the Mexican team was really not able to string together the rhythm that they would have liked early on in this game um, and although they had the 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 lion's share of possession it always looked like the the Americans here were well organized and up to the task uh, and that's just the first five minutes folks because within in five minutes and 30 seconds after the the starting whistle, <laughs> Michael Bradley sure. picks off the picks off an intended pass through the center of the midfield and strikes off on his own with no options ahead of him. He picks his head up and sees that Ochoa has stepped just a couple inches too far forward from his net and Bradley slots an scintillating, a beautiful, gorgeous, what's this? 50-yard shot? Maybe 45-yard shot, shot? A backyard like soccer shot. It, not a whole lot of loft on this. This was a very driven, kind of laces-chipped yeah. shot. Chip. Knuckly yeah. chip that could not have been more inch-perfect and floats gloriously, so gloriously. Gorgeously, with the in, hopes and dreams. With the hopes the, and dreams of, of us the all. Nation. Into, into the back the of the net. Corner, Guess what, guys? Baby. One nothing. Suck on that. USA, suck on that. We're in the fucking lead at the as- Tekka in the <laughs> versus the This is Stunned real life. Silence. All of a sudden, the Azteca is a very nervy place to be. In the minutes that followed, the, the U.S. would hold on to this lead for about 15, 16 minutes, which is not nothing to uh, sneeze at, folks, if you look at the attacking options that Mexico had. Uh, and, and in that period of time, we started to get to see a highlight of mine, which was the battle between Yedlin and Chucky Lozano up and down mm. the wing there. Uh, but what eventually would happen is Carlos Vela would cut onto the inside. Carlos Vela, a late addition to this Mexico squad, cuts, on, cuts onto his left from the right, uh, maybe defeating Marcus Beasley, arguable, debatable. Marcus Beasley kind of shuttles him into the, into the inside and is there, but not close enough to put Vela off his shot. And he, and he slots a nice finish home through, through a forest of legs into the lower right-hand side of the goal. We're all tied up at one guys good goal what not good goal good goal what now boys what Mm. the fuck now this game would progress in much the same fashion and would ultimately come down to uh 
a 1-1 draw, but not before we got to see some very epic highlights. Uh, one of which was Michael Bradley had a sweet strike from about 23 yards out. Uh, we got to volley. see off off of volley would have been another classic goal for us. We got to see a couple Pulisic flashes of brilliance. We got to see Paul Ariola Nips try his absolute hardest. Uh, and let's see any other any other big ones I want to do before we jump into Ty's first uh, impressions. Hector Herrera. We Hector s- Herrera at leathered a free kick that that oh, Guzan Lord. was yeah, an out unsavable, to see on. An that was unsavable. We saw Marco and he, Fabian off the underside of the post. Off the underside. We saw of the Marco post. Fabian's saw, life end life before end, our eyes. And 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 then uh, <laughs> he must have picked Demarcus Beasley's pocket for some scare magic because he was bet right back up. We saw we saw three career ending. <laughs> injuries here for DeMarcus Did anybody Beasley. have a camera on those guys at halftime? Were they exchanging <laughs> some sort of horse placenta remedy to we, both get over these horrific career-ending injuries they we suffered got to see, that we, required the little golf cart to come out? <laughs> we got basically both teams trying desperately trying to slow this game down. Uh, we got to see Jeff Cameron with a number of heroic slide tackles, last-minute slide amazing. tackles. Yes. We got to see Omar Galaxy with some gravity-defying leaps uh, clear some, some headers, and then gravity-defying leaps on the other end in which he cleared some headers. Uh, yes, not, he not, cleared not, it out. Not so hot there. Would have liked, wrong would have liked bud. wrong box, bud. But uh, yeah, overall, just an amazing, amazing defensive performance from the U.S. Some subs that maybe came a little late. No Dempsey ever. We got to see some Nagby. We got to see some Altidore. And guess what, guys? We got to see some motherfucking Graham Zusi. 90th minute for Christian Pulisic. Thank God. It was a classic. It was a tie at the Azteca. Third time ever for us accomplishing that task. Ty, what's your first impressions? Uh, this is the best I've seen the U.S. perform in Mexico. And Bam. Uh, I firmly believe in the, the Bruceism that possession means nothing. And well, to I be believe fair it to now. Him, he, doesn't, he doesn't take credit when they have possession, and he's not, uh, he's not giving credit when they concede possession. It was part of the tactics. It was very Atletico Madrid, as you had said. Um, there is a there's an art to playing that way, and uh, and and possession quite literally does not mean anything. It's it's a statistic that happens to correlate with good teams and with goal scoring, but it's perfectly possible to be uh, a, a good team, even a great team, uh, without much regard for passing around the back. Um, yeah. So I was thoroughly impressed with the U.S. performance. I thought uh, on balance we were we were toe to toe. Uh, with Mexico, I think there was a you you could see a little bit of uh, respect um, in the in the Mexicans' uh, play, particularly towards Mr. Pulisic, and yep, it felt. Yep. I mean, I'm, I don't want to hyperbolize, but this did feel like a like a turning point. Like the next time we go in there, we're going to have the confidence that we really should be trying to win, um, which I thought we were we were really close to doing last night. It was it was totally impressive. I'm I'm thrilled. So the big story coming into this game, as you kind of alluded to, was Christian Pulisic making the claim after the Trinidad and Tobago game. Unfair, unfair to the hormonal teenage young man to, to interview him in that state after absolutely demolishing the yeah. Trinidad and Tobago side. But anyways, they did it. They shoved a mic in his face, which is what you do when you're a fucking world star footballer. Uh, and he said, we are going to go to the Azteca and win. Calmly. We're going to win there, too. When I, when I heard the quote, I imagined him, like, like hulking out and, like, s- screaming it, like Shia LaBeouf in that one Howard video. Howard Dean. 
Yeah. Not at all. He he simply stated no, no. He it was as if to correct all of America calmly. No, 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 no. We we, no, we want to go there win. and win. He he's like no, we we want to win. That's I thought that we're was the point. We're, we're going to win. We're going to go. No, there that's and right. Win. That's that's a, an important word word choice and very, it's true he says no we're going to win so <laughs> so we're going into this there's there's all these epic headlines in mexican newspapers which are then making headlines in our own newspapers and we're all headlining each other's headlines and talking about this just talking up a goddamn storm about this kid he did this not he did not uh have a very impactful performance uh ostensibly Numbers-wise, when it comes to the obvious Christian Pulisic things that people are looking for, goals, assists, epic dribbles. Uh, however, Ty, what do you think uh, Christian Pulisic's effect on this game really was? And um, what, how, how uh, can you speak to the, the, this narrative now kind of being squashed? Like, we didn't crush them, and Christian Pulisic didn't really do anything However, he didn't really get embarrassed. You know, we didn't lose. He didn't. He didn't mess up in any way. So, so where is he at with all this in his journey and and uh, coming out of this game? Yeah, um, this is one of the most interesting topics to come out of the game because I think his performance relative to what he's been doing obviously is underwhelming. But when you look at the uh, role that he was asked to play and the tactics of the team as a whole, um, I think he put in a solid shift at uh, at doing what he needed to do and clearly the game plan was an effective one so i i think if you can fault anyone for the way that Polisic looked last night it would be the the tactical game plan because it didn't put him in a position to do his his star turn um i did think his his touches were a little bit more heavy than usual i think the uh pressure of the moment probably did play some some role in that and um and that'll that'll improve you know uh, in in four years, when we go back there, uh, hopefully, we will uh, we will be seeing still a very young man. It's easy to forget how young eighteen is. You know, twenty two is still a young player um, by by most people's definition, and this guy's a full cycle away <laughs> ahead of that. So to go in there with that pressure and given the um, the job he was asked to do, I think he. He had an acceptable performance. And to clarify kind of what that job was, yeah. Um, the way the U.S. lined up, so it was, it was nominally 5-2-3 with the front three, but in reality, uh, Ariola and uh, Pulisic were asked to basically provide defensive cover when we were in our defensive shape, making it more like a, a 5-4-1 um, with Wood harrying. And then uh, they were asked to to break whenever possible and use their use their speed uh, on the counterattack. And both of them are are, are good good counterattacking players. Um, and so Polisic was up and down. It was almost as if he was playing um, like a uh, what would you call it? a wing back role as well. Like it was almost like playing double wing backs, where that both players were asked to to um, to expend quite a bit of energy uh, getting around. And Polisic was was deep regularly to to make tackles, get the ball, uh, put pressure on on Mexican attackers, and I, I think Polisic was one of the you know the whole team did a did a good job of being being stout and and hard to beat um, off the dribble, and uh, so yeah, I mean I think it's just a a symptom of the overall game plan, and if you're happy with the game plan, you should be happy with him. 
I agree. Here's a couple other points to that, to, to add on to that. One, how many of these American players played 90 minutes uh, of, for all three of these games? <sighs> right. You know, they're, they're, right. The list is very short, and Pulisic is one of them, and he's 18 years old, and he's going to get leggy at some point. This, has, uh, this was a lot. This was a lot of games. Uh, three games in a week and a half or, or less is a lot of games or two weeks maybe. Is that's that's I gave a range because my my perception of time is warped for a number of reasons that I don't need to go into right now. All the mushrooms, but uh, <laughs> it's just so many <laughs> mushrooms. But um, <laughs> but so he's 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 leggy. Don't forget that. Secondly, uh, what we saw from this Mexican squad was when he got the ball, he had three people swarming him. How many eighteen-year-olds mm-hmm. do you know? Polly Ariola Nips is not drawing that kind of attention, so you, you can't underestimate that. And it didn't play a big role in this game because the circumstance was a very defensive circumstance, and the tactics were what they were. But you have to understand that that this is uh, we, he's at that level of player where you have to judge him not just on what he does, but how he responds to teams doubling him and tripling, triple teaming him. Uh, yep, absolutely. He's that high profile. So, so get used to that folks. Um, there was, for me, there's, there's, and just, just to address the uh, kind of media storm around this for me, I think that this worked out ideal, a tie in which Pulisic, does a good job, doesn't embarrass himself, but doesn't make a star out of himself either. A very neutral performance after his little outburst there, which for me, like given his personality, that that was an outburst. Uh, he's like very right. level headed yeah, person, absolutely. <clears throat> so media trained. Yeah, so so he's he's on he's riding a high. He's winning he's winning trophies with Dortmund. He's coming to America. He's improving our national team. He's he's he 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 slips up. He slipped up a little bit, and he got a lot of attention for it. And he got out without getting emotionally scarred, and he also got out without being emotionally stunted with like an enormous ego by by scoring and winning against Mexico. Um, yeah, I, I think that yeah. would have been yeah. just as dangerous for his development i think this is a sweet spot in which he he the pressure is a little bit off michael bradley reminded everyone that there's other people with star power on this team and Mm -hmm. i I think that's great for christian pulisic moving forward i'm I'm totally totally happy with that situation well and we we talked early in the camp about the shift in mentality that the u.s needs to make it to the next level and how it's not a it's not a massive percentage change but what if in in that moment what if pulisic had said you know, we think it's, we think we have a long shot down there in Mexico, but we're going to give it our best. What what if he had said that? All all else being equal, everything else the same. But what if the press had been focused on how good Mexico's form was, not on how cocky our new star is? Right. Then the, we're what talking kind of, about a different game. What kind of effect does that have on I the crowd? Absolutely. What, what, is, what does it have on a what? What kind of effect does that have on the tired legs at the end of the game? Right. Like when you believe that you maybe kind of might be the favorite because this we have this wunderkind. If 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 we didn't uh, succeed because of Christian Pulisic, why did we succeed? Um, who are the players that stand out to you as the reason why this worked? Uh, well, I'll leave. Michael Bradley to one side and take um, Jeff Cameron, who was an, an absolute rock in the middle, uh, was was mobile, aggressive, intelligent. Um, it's, it's hard to tell from from TV, but the back three was was really organized. And uh, I had I had very recently watched some replay of uh, the Columbus match 
when we came out in that back three, and it was not effective. And there were kind of two root reasons for that. One was that uh, Timmy Chandler was a liability, and Mexico targeted him again and again. Um, and the other was that uh, was that Gonzalez and uh, Beisler um, were not comfortable playing in that in that system. Um, really, like it didn't seem like anybody on the defensive line was ready to do it. So I I had discounted it entirely as a possibility for this match because of how poorly it had done uh, down down in uh, as did I I saw it as a as an obviously just failed obvious error yes but I think if it is drilled properly um, we are seeing some evidence that the U S can be really effective in that system and a big part of that is coordination which all comes down to leadership which comes down to Cameron and and so I felt like this was a this was a sort of highlight real match for him. Like when he looks back on his, his uh, national team career, this is going to be one of the ones like that John Brooks uh, match against Paraguay where it's kind of identified with him. Um, he's going to be remembered for, for having this massive effect. And on I'll tell you something that we don't need to play a well-organized defense, apparently. We don't need Tim Howard to do that. And that was this right, has always right, been right. one of the major reasons why even as Tim Howard physical attributes wane people want him on the field because they there's this concept that he's the only one who can really marshal a defense and we know brad guzan wasn't doing it so it had to be and i know tim ream wasn't doing it so it had to be jeff cameron and omar galaxy here am i wrong i mean let's let's we joked about this in our our kind of uh I want to say like quick take after after the game we got together on youtube with a few of you folks out there uh, so awesome. Holla out to you. Uh, those of you who, who joined us last night, it was so fun. We kind of chatted and went back and forth and just gave Holla. all, just put it, put, put our hearts out there on the interweb. So that was fun. Holla. We joked about how Tim Ream is like the forgettable dude in this, in this yeah, crew. Like right. he's just yeah. so forgettable. And is that, is that, am I, uh, am I just somehow like attracted to style you know like players like Yedlin John Brooks even Omar Gonzalez they have certain a style to them and am I just not noticing Tim Ream as a good player or is there something about these other players around Tim Ream that really are um superior as far as the game is concerned because I I just don't think that Tim Ream is the reason why this was well organized but I could be wrong what do you think no no I think he was he was a uh a willing participant and uh, a follower of the of the leaders in the defense, um, and I think he he played his part uh, quite well. I don't think he's an exceptional talent. I think he's a a backup, maybe even a backup backup um, in general. Uh, and I I do want to return to this, but the 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 idea that Bruce trotted out this personnel in this situation is insane. It is insane. And, and I, I did want to add to, to your previous point that part of the genius of this, part of the miracle of this is just how disorienting it was for the players themselves. Right. So I think when you have a game with lots of hype and, and pomp and circumstance and lots of media attention, sometimes you need to be a you need to just have things be all the way disorienting, like just be totally lost in the dream. And I think... That's the environment that that Bruce Arena created for these players was yeah. one of like I, I almost just comp- you have to completely give into the system because what are you going to do like 
what are you going to fall back on your old standards? Like there's no such sure, thing in sure. this scenario. Every single one of these players was thrown into something new and fresh. And it's like having those smelling salts put under your nose. Like all of a sudden you're a little more focused. You're paying more attention. You're being more intentional. And, right. uh, you know, that's, that's how you get people to overperform. And I think that's what we saw. We saw 11. We saw our talent outperforming itself. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, it just perplexes me and it makes me realize how complicated this game is and how different from FIFA this game is, you know? Indeed. And, and it makes and me. And how, how, how much management is based on uh, emotion and based on underlying reads and not on um, what everyone else can see. I mean, I think these are clearly things that if Jurgen had done, it wouldn't have worked. It would have been this horrible disaster. Maybe, maybe Jurgen 1.0 before the World Cup could have done something like this and it might have been successful, it's possible. But it, it, it maybe it's just one of those things where if you don't have 100% support and buy-in from your team, you just cannot get away with it. Yeah, and it's also a totally different question with Jurgen because Jurgen could play the same... What am I trying to say? Jurgen can switch a lineup. That doesn't mean you're ever going to see a like consistent, solid blocks of defense from a Jurgen. Right, right, right. right it's just never, yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. Even if he didn't change the lineup... You're never going to see that from a Jurgen team. He, he, right. he just doesn't have that, you know. Right, right, right. He's too and, much um, of a megalomaniac the, to hand the keys to somebody else to help him out. The anecdotes uh, that came out about this camp were that they knew from day one of the camp before that Venezuela match that they were going to do this. Right. So this is a planned mm. surprise, which is which is polar opposite from the Jurgen era when players had reported basically finding out on game day who was playing and where. Right. Right, um, which Jurgen I think thought so. was like gonna give his team the edge or something, and and the, hey, hey, you know that's a nice counter. It might have given them the edge at some point, right? But it, like ultimately, all of these arguments break down for me because I think there are a million ways to have a great first cycle. There's like the Miguel Herrera, rah rah, Super Saiyan, you know, freak out fest. There's the Juan Carlos Osorio notebooks. There's uh, there's the Jurgen charisma. There's the Bruce, you know, brusqueness and and uh, spirit raising, confidence boosting, uh, man managing approach. Like all of these things work for a cycle, but when it comes to national team management, it's just so much about that that uh, desire of the players after they've done their main job, which is playing for these club teams, to come in and give a damn and and perform at their best for that team. So I think like, yeah, I think a lot of these arguments are just, um, what's the term, like red herrings, because ultimately it's just like, yeah, okay, whatever, first cycle. Right. And <laughs> in a club team, they're red herrings because there are so many ways it can work and so few ways you can get to two cycles or in Bruce's case, return uh, many years later and somehow still have a positive effect and not just a not just a let's fix the problems effect but he's doing innovative shit with this team and he's bringing us forward i think it speaks a lot to bruce as well that you can't you know i think a lot of the simplifications we threw on jurgen turned out to be true in spades and a lot of the simplifications people throw on bruce uh, turn out to be untrue he actually is willing and ready to make daring choices and surprising choices given there's proper preparation and and that's what makes for a good coach he also was unafraid although he did play demarcus beasley in this game unafraid to bench altador and clint dempsey and you can't underestimate that this is the coach who we said oh no what if nobody else gets a chance? What if nobody else well, on this Be team gets Beasley a Well, Beasley is the ultimate, I think, because Fabian Johnson would have been 
amazing in that slot, right? Like, again, it's it's the difference between FIFA and reality. You're put, you're putting in the, you know, sixty eight rated silver player instead of the seventy eight rated gold player at a at a position where they would both be good, right? And it's like, so yeah, it. I I have no freaking explanation for that choice, and I I still don't think it was the right choice, but I. I, I guess at this point I'm just a little more willing to go with the game plan, especially a game plan that seems to work. And hey, I mean, I'll I'll take it. Right. I guess there's something to it. Breaking out Demarcus Beasley every once in a while. Uh, yeah, and and, and credit off. to Demarcus Beasley for really doing the job. I mean, he did. He, he people are going to look at the goal and they're they're going to say then they're going to look at his age and they're going to talk shit. But if you're really paying attention to this game, DeMarcus Beasley did a very good job uh, overall and I think proved this more than any other time in the game when Chuku Lozano in the second half gets switched over uh, from the left side facing off with DeAndre Edlin to the right side to then, in theory, brutalize DeMarcus Beasley and got no, got nowhere, nowhere. There were no Chuki Lozano moments uh, where he, like, just outstripped DeMarcus Beasley and left him in the dust. It didn't happen. And there were a couple times when he beat Yedlin. So you got to give credit to DeMarcus Beasley in this game. And I guess if, if, if it works, if it doesn't fail, then you got to give credit to Bruce for it. And remember, guys, Bruce played Pauli Ariola Nips. And it wasn't, and, and not because he was trying to just play young players. It was for a practical Brucey ass reason, which was that Pauli Ariola Nips is is used to playing in Mexico. He's he's and tears it up in the Mexican league. So, so you know, well, we may not so, have fully so, under we we may have oversimplified Bruce's practicality. You know, he is practical, right, right, right. He, but not he may in the be being practical, right, in a different axis. That's right, and and um, I am being very forgiving. Uh, and I, it occurred to me after I said first cycle thing that obviously Bruce is not in his first cycle. It feels like a first cycle, um, but he did coach Demarcus Beasley in the actual first cycle, which is hilarious. Unbelievable. Uh, so that's the side note. So, so, but I'm I'm being very forgiving on Demarcus on Bruce Beasley because, is old enough um, to retire from broadcasting. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, Co- coaching has just gotten to be too much of a burden. Um. So, uh, but there is one thing that I unequivocally disapprove of. Okay. It is, it is, it, this is an unequivocal equivocation, which is right. not subbing. Not subbing faster. That was frustrating. So Darlington Nagby, com- Darlington Nagby comes in in the 63rd. We don't see another substitution for another 12 minutes for Josie Altidore. 12 long 12 minutes. 12 long, long minutes. And we don't see a third until the 90th. So, yeah, you yeah. know, reach out to us guys on Twitter. Uh, on your, give us your thoughts on a 90th minute sub. It's, uh, we're, we're at WTP Pod. That's how you can find us on Twitter and talk to us about anything. Wilbur Tango Pizza. Uh, Wilbur Tango Pizza there. Wilbur Tango Pizza. But if you want to waste time, you can waste time in the 80th minute and then you can get 10 minutes of well, fresh the argument, Well, the argument with the 90th minute sub is you wait until stoppage time has been announced and then every minute yeah, is Yeah, but they never, count, they never count that. They never change it. It's always three or four minutes. Refs are dumb with this. So it doesn't... Like the 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 arithmetic is not uh, is not doesn't as make impactful. sense. So you you kind of you guys can probably sense where we stand with this. For me, I uh, I don't care about the ninety minutes ninetieth minute sub, and I don't think it happened for that reason. I think uh, I think 
I think Bruce Arena was being very careful here and didn't want to fuck with the blocks. So you'll you'll notice that neither of our wingback players who probably desperately needed a substitution got subbed out here. And that's got to be a rhythm thing. Uh, Nagby in the 63rd was an, a, an attempt. I, to me, 63rd minute is early enough. Uh, and, and that was an attempt to invigorate this offense and give us a little something. And I don't think it's Nagby's fault. It just never happened. The, the game didn't really find Nagby. Yeah, he barely it's, found the ball at all. His, yeah. I don't think he did anything I, wrong, but he, you know, it, did, it just didn't happen for him. And then, I get not you know. I get not breaking up the rhythm, and, but, but I think that even if we just switch the front three even just to switch, you know, to, to make that Josie sub a tiny bit sooner, to make the Nagby sub a tiny bit sooner. That's the one. I think um, the Josie sub And then maybe Josie to get Jordan Morris on the field sooner. late. Get Jordan Morris on the field for 10 minutes at the end instead of having Zussi come on for Pulisic. Like, why not? Like, okay, and, and then there's a second equiv- unequivocal equivocation, okay. which is that the fact that we are drawing late to, as t- uh, to, to Mexico at Azteca does not mean that our optimal move is to wait out a draw. And and to, to it shut never up does. Shot. It does it not. never does. We because here, we the people point, believe firmly that it never makes sense to play for a draw at any minute of any game. Almost, yeah. The point that we were clinging to is more of a moral uh, victory than a than a real victory in terms of our chances of qualifying. You know, points points are great, um, but we we hear it. We the people, we have a, a different way of of looking at the game, which is that uh, when you win, you get zero. When you tie, you get negative two, and when you lose, you get negative three. You lose three. And so what we were trying to do uh, last night was was get zero, and and only losing two, sure, it's better than only losing three, uh, but it's not something where you need to um, neuter a game plan that, that might have been able to get out of there with that big zero. You know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying, and it's a fucking impossible that Graham Zuzi was put into this game for us to win it. That's the area where I see Bruce giving up a little bit on his his branding of the game, right? Because if he's if he's going in saying that we should be able to win the game, that we want to win the game, uh, but then in the 90th minute he he you know gets the security blanket and and you know wants to go for the point, just like any any coach would at Azteca any conventional coach. Um, it's a, it is a little disappointing because I thought I thought the ultimate Brucey surprise would be for him to to really go for the game at the end. Um, and he didn't. So Bruce is basic. He's a little basic for me. He's a little basic, but it's working out. This team is performing. But it's working. So let's I'm talk up. a little bit. Let's <laughs> talk, yeah. And as soon as as soon as he slips up, we'll be fucking on him like white on rice. All over him. Let's talk yeah. a little bit about Mexico, shall we? Oh yeah. Uh, this is a team that is has enough star power and is near enough to the United States that I think uh, you know there. Be, People would be interested in hearing a little bit about this team. It is the most popular soccer team in the United States. Straight up, it's so, not that close. So for yeah. me, for me, the the player that <clears throat> stood out the most with, was Jonathan Dos Santos in this game. Yeah, he was yeah. playing the stopper role, but he found himself all over the field, uh, and he was extremely effective in his play. Very cutting, very dangerous. Uh, he, he he played very strong, so he was uh, uh, he had a physical presence in the middle of the field. Um, and and seeing him battle it out with Bradley and Acosta was was really awesome to watch, and he and he really showed up. He played well. Uh, who who stood out for you? 
Uh, I thought Herrera. So we were both going in the midfield, in the center of midfield. That that pairing was was really dynamic and strong. And the, I mean, that that free kick, like, don't sleep on that. That shit hit. That was some, oh, some man. sick movement and just absolutely unsavable. Uh, it's it's incredible that that the laws of physics didn't just collapse on themselves for the ball to squeeze in uh, <laughs> at, at altitude. It's, we it's, we lucked out. What a shock. Uh, we lucked out, and um, and yeah, I mean, it, it could have been uh, could have been a much different story if that had gone in. And the, and it, it reminds me of the Pulisic performance a little bit, where um, I think if that uh, that chance he had late with the the overlap where he beat a couple defenders and got a shot off, his shot was wayward. Um, but if that yep. had gone in, the performance would have been a, a, a locked on, you know, nine out of ten legend status uh, performance, and it, it just goes to show how much difference a goal can make to the perception of how you did. That's a very um, that's a which very, is a good segue good into uh, Michael Bradley, yeah, uh, who I, I thought had a great game overall without the goal um, and without the post um, was just metronomic and and organized and uh, stout defensively and was a good leader. Um, but he, he freaking Carly Lloyded it. He, he really this was, did. This was one of the he best goals this... I've ever seen in a U.S. shirt. Absolutely. This goes down in history. Michael Bradley, the best goal I've ever seen Michael Bradley score, without a doubt. Uh, he took the game by the scruff of the goddamn neck. Welcome back, Michael Bradley. Thank you for joining yeah. us. I mean, after that goal, he, you really... I saw him wake up and play in a way that I've honestly never, maybe once or twice I've seen this this Bradley, but every little pass was, the stakes seemed so high. His The way he right, approached right. every, there was I, there was one that he, he slotted forward to, to one of the strikers, I don't know, I forget, maybe, maybe it was Nagby at this point, but it was like, he had to do a little shimmy, it was kind of like a Gideon Zalalem style, like turn and pass, uh-huh. that you don't realize there's a straight line up field that he's going to take, you know? Yep, yep, and yep. it was just the couple steps right before he made contact with the pass that I thought, man, this is a different Bradley. The intensity level was higher. There were, he's shaving a couple milliseconds off of it. He's bringing it a couple inches closer to where the defender might be able to take it, but not close enough. And he just was so on after that. And I really do hope that this is uh, this can be a springboard for him to remember that he's still got three, maybe four years of of being fucking vintage Bradley in him if he can if he can sack up a little bit and remember how good he is yeah absolutely i mean he he um he's such an enigma because his his role is so subtle when he's playing his real number 6 role that it is hard for people to tell whether he has been playing well or not <laughs> right and so and so the 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 uh he he kind of becomes this like bellwether for U.S. fans' general feelings about the team. Um, and people, it, it amazes me, but people really have been calling for, for his, him to stop starting games for the U.S. Um, yeah, that's so silly. That's so silly. Which, I, I, which is really I, silly. I think yeah. it's good to critique Michael Bradley, but I, I fully am on board with the idea of him being a mainstay on this team. I think, if, I mean, who put... Put somebody better on the field from this roster. You're crazy for, for that for that position and for what he does. There is no one. Not to mention the the emotional importance of having 
a mainstay figure on your team. Keep in mind, these national teams, they only meet a few times a year, and it's there are many, many roster changes every single time they meet. So to have a player who, game in, game out, starts in the same spot on the field is absolutely vital for a national team and any team, really. Any any coach will tell you that. You, you have to have one or two players on your team that uh, everybody knows are going to start and are going to play. You have to have that. It's, it's almost like... Like the role of like routine in your life, you know, if you live a unmoored life with no, um, with no consistency, that can actually make it more detrimental to whatever you're trying to do. Like if you're trying to be creative or, you know, go into business or something, do do something big. It can help to just have those like little rituals in your life. Michael Bradley is like the rituals of the U.S. team. You know, you can kind of count on him uh, nowadays being in in his preferred spot, and you know that you're going to get a consistent. Uh, performance, and I think one of the things that was really telling going into the match um, on the Mexican soccer show, they, one of the uh, conversations they had was about uh, who you'd take from from the U.S. Um, and and Bradley was was up there in that in that discussion. They they were kind of uh, uh, what's the term uh, playfully avoiding saying Pulisic, <laughs> and then eventually got chastised. By the host. That's hilarious. Uh, like, come on, guys. Come on, guys. <laughs> For real, though. Uh, but so- Bradley, Bradley has that level of respect on the on the Mexican side, where even even though they typically have uh, Um in that role, who I think at, at times has been a better player than Bradley. Um, maybe not right now, but but at certain periods, even though they have someone of that caliber. Uh, they still feel a little bit of jealousy about the role that that Bradley can play, and then um, yeah, I was just thinking about that watching this goal go in. Like, there is a there is a generation of Mexican fans. He's he scored a double in one of the Columbus matches um, back when he was a, a young pup, and they're always going to remember all the times that we beat them during this era, or got you know got a result like this. Not got a result. We uh we got the negative two down in Azteca. Um, and they're going to to see Michael Bradley's bald visage in their minds when they think about that and think of him as one of the super villains of the U.S. team at that time in the way that we think of Rafa Marquez, and that is beautiful to me. Ty, this has been uh, gorgeous. That was an awesome Max versus Max, and I loved it. But it wasn't the only game we just played. Yeah, where are we? Where are we? We played Venezuela. We we won, kind of. We drew. <laughs> we drew, but uh, Pulisic won. Pulisic won, and then we played Trinidad and Tobago, and Pulisic won, but we drew. <laughs> uh, once again, and then we played Mexico, and we drew, but Bradley won. But definitely won. Bradley definitely won. Yeah, Pulisic, Pulisic drew, and Bradley won. I think that this is my big takeaway from the camp. This team is fun. The results that we saw in the last in this round were not necessarily at a higher level than we've seen in the past, uh, like under the Jurgen era. But the experience of watching the U.S. national team is delightful right now. We have this this amazing kid. We have a Michael Bradley, who apparently still has it. Um, we have exciting youngsters. We have some some tactical nous. We have a, uh, a Premier League regular who who is doing really, really well for us. We have one of the the shiny new tools in a in in the Bundesliga, a, a player who's moving for big money. Um, it it this is this is fun. It's I I 
thoroughly enjoyed Tim Ream. 270 minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah, and there's Tim Ream, right? I forgot about Tim him. Ream. How predictable. <laughs> so, good camp. I don't know if you have anything else to add. Good camp. Uh, I think this is an amazing camp for Bruce Arena. Uh, I think everything he did kind of worked, and he, he accomplished exactly what he said, which was the goal was to come out of this with four points, and they did that. Um, I hate that shit. I well, I you shit. know, you can hate it as much as you want, but but he did it, and it, and and it worked, and that's what he said he was going to do. The goal is so. to play our best and make give us the best chance in every single match. Yeah, but at a certain point, people start to just perceive that as delusion or bullshit. You know what Bruce was able to do right, was he right. looked the nation sure. in the face and said, "This is what we think we can accomplish." We're that, I, we're gonna go in there, and that's what I think we're gonna accomplish. We might be able to get six, but for sure we're I, we're we're gonna we're gonna go in there, and we're gonna get four points from these two games. And they did that. I would accept our goal is to get six points, but we uh, we're still gonna be happy if we only get four. I would accept that. If you're enjoying the show, guys, uh, you know you might want to shoot us a five star review. I'm gonna go five stars on that pod. That pod was enjoyable. I learned about our soccer. goal is five stars, but we'll take four. <laughs> Yeah, we can five is zero. No, for four us, a five star review one. is zero. <laughs> <laughs> Three is actually negative four. That's how it works for us. That's that's right. Just it's a like, big it's deal. logarithmic, actually. It's, it, it's complicated. It's a don't, don't... Curve. So shoot us a that's review on podcast. iTunes. That's really helpful for us. And uh, you know, later on in the show, there we do have a little update here. I've been working on my roommate Sitch. Uh, put a, oh? put a few put a few listings out on Craigslistium. Uh, the okay. Craigslista. Because you're since Jurgen moved out. Yeah, Mer- Jurgen used to live here. We had him do the read reviews, read your guys' reviews. That was really fun. We, right. we used to ask him all kinds of funny questions. He's a funny guy. Uh, we had him staying in a small but comfortable box, um, and and there was a whole backstory to that that we've essentially never fully revealed. Although you know the bits and, and pieces, never will. and never will. But the point of all that was that uh, your reviews might get read on the show in a fun, fun way. So consider that and write something silly if you'd like to. So where are we? We've moved up. We got, we got four points. We've moved up in, in, on, yeah. in the standings a little bit. But we're not in the clear, are we? Where, where are we at? Are we good? No, Can no, we not even close. No, we cannot exhale. Still squeaky bum time in the hex. Um, we are now six bum. matches through... The ten match hexagonal round of World Cup qualifying, uh, we have eight points. Um, typically, to go through, uh, fifteen is enough. Um, Sixteen is almost a guarantee, and uh, the fourth place finisher goes into this playoff. So it's kind of like half a spot, but we don't want that shit. We don't care about that shit. We want top three, go through automatically, and uh, so we're gonna need to put in more good performances. There is no room for error after the losses early to uh, Mexico and Costa Rica and that very damaging um, negative two points uh, that we suffered in Panama that the U.S. press was fawning over. Ty, where are we going from here? What's coming? What's to come? How long until we reconvene? Uh, not long. So the, the U.S. has a friendly against Ghana, uh, the, the Kwame Darby. Um, <laughs> this is, it's, it's on July 4th. Uh, no, it's not July 4th. It's like that, it's that, that weekend before July 4th, July something, uh, Early Sunday. July. so we will, we will come to you to, uh, preview the gold cup, um, and look forward to that, to that Ghana friendly. The gold cup will kick off a couple days after that friendly. So it's going to be a, a newish roster. There's going to be some turnover with some, some fresh faces, um, plenty of the 
established guys in there too, but I think they're going to get some get some rest for some of the guys who will be pretty tired, um, which could end up being crucial if we were to make it to the World Cup because then they would have a fresh summer behind them and um, maybe have a, a little bit more legs going into the, the tournament. So um, it's kind of an off-year Gold Cup uh, because Mexico won't be bringing their strongest team. They have the Confederations Cup at the same time. That's their priority. Um, but that also means it's a good opportunity for us to win something. It's not, it's not going to give us uh, soccer on the level that we just saw, uh, you know, these, these, these top-level, highly competitive matches. Um, it's going to be a little bit more of a um, team-building kind of tournament. Uh, but as we saw in the 2015 Gold Cup, uh, the smaller teams are very capable of coming to the U.S. and, and beating us. So we, we uh, will be have to be well aware of the potential for, for cup sets uh, in this year's exhibition. OMG. I think it's time, guys. I got this. Uh, so, so basically what happened was I... I, I I was I was in a weird situation. I kind of couldn't. It was difficult for me to get home, and and I had to get a ride from a buddy. And why is it? Why is this relevant? It's relevant because the message was from uh, a potential uh, a roomie, somebody who saw the Craigslist ad and is is interested really? in in moving in. So I thought I thought I might just uh, share it with you and with the peeps, and uh, huh. you know okay. maybe we can discuss a little bit. Sound good? Cool. All right, cool. So here is the voicemail that was left on my phone at 3.20 a.m. last night. Hey, Clayton, this is, uh, this is uh, Bruce Arena calling, you know, from the U.S. national team. I just want to give you, uh, give you a shout. I saw you ad in the paper about the, uh, the small but comfortable box in your basement. Seems like pretty deluxe accommodations. I, uh, I'm looking for a place to, to hide out. You know, I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm not gonna misrepresent what I'm, what I'm, my situation. I uh, got into some trouble down south, south of the border, after the draw against Mexico at Azteca. Let's just say things got crazy. La Policia is muy interested in me, and I need, I need a place to crash up north, El Norte. I gotta get. Norte, baby. All right, so give me a call back. All I need is a small but comfortable box. I need a Yankees blanket, a Derek Jeter bobblehead doll. I need a six-pack, a yingling, and easy access to the stadium by light rail. Give me a call back. My number is 1-888-GO-YANKS. My email, if you need my email, uh, you can electronically mail me at that. That is O2WorldCupChamp at gmail.com. All right. See you, Clayton. So, yeah, huh. there it is. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, okay, you know, well. people come and go on these, on these websites all the time. You get a lot of creeps. I sure, wouldn't want to creep. Sure. Yeah. I, I definitely wouldn't right. want to creep. But uh, The box is comfortable. Yeah, and, and it sounds like it could be a good fit, you know. I have a small but comfortable box, and this person uh, who left this message is is looking for a small but comfortable box. Right. So that's right. kind of, that's to me, that's a good sign. That, that sounds like a perfect fit. <laughs> he's, he's, he's worth a try. I mean, he sound, he's, he's a man with some unusual ideas, <laughs> so he may come up to you in the middle of the night <laughs> suggesting five at the back. <laughs> 
Well, that's exciting news. It's very exciting news. This could be great. We've been we've been we've been down a roommate for a while, so it'd be nice to finally fill that left back slot. Uh, Ty, uh, how about we do a couple hopes and fears for the months to come? Uh, sorry, days to come before the next camp. <laughs> <laughs> for the next two weeks of absences <laughs> from camp. Hmm. I have a hope. Okay. Uh, my my hope is that the the U.S. national team is and continues to get some cultural momentum going. Yeah, man. I because like that. I I see what you're seeing. I see I see I get randos, and uh, I get I get lots of people. You know, I hear I hear I hear chatter. Um, chit chat. Some the the guys who I play pickup with, uh, you know, got together and watched the game at a bar. There you go. And there's a there's a little bit of um. There's a little bit of juice to this U.S. team in a way that I'm used to seeing more like in the months leading up to a World Cup, you know? Yeah, um, after we've so, done So to have qualified. a little bit more of that, uh, a couple more shirts out there. Um, the success of the, the women's team doesn't hurt because people have gotten used to the idea that, like, this is a fun summer activity to watch U.S. soccer teams play. Right. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I'm hoping that that uh, in these in these weeks to come, that um, maybe Pulisic can can stay a little bit in the in the media spotlight. Uh, maybe we'll see a, a, some some talk show appearances, that kind of thing between between now and the Gold Cup. We'll see maybe uh, sports press understanding that what the Gold Cup is and that, that it is coming nice. up, and that you can see this exciting team play. Um, so you know, baby steps, but I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see if, if we can get a little, get the ball rolling a bit here. I shall do a fear. My fear is that uh, Via Fania, it's that that something comes out about Via Fania's absence here, and it turns out that it's not just a minor injury or strain, that it's actually a poopy-inducing virus. Uh, that that makes that makes uh, yucky yucky poopies, and that it's it, there's no cure for it. It's a lifelong poopy virus. This is why we have the mature tag on uh, iTunes. Um, you know what happened to Viafania? What happened to Viafania though? For reals, his his uh, his life force was sapped by Demarcus Beasley. Demarcus needs young. <laughs> and he needs them to be playing well in the position that he's hoping yeah. to play. So they farmed Viafania from the NA- NASL, and he 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 uh, from from Sueño MLS. They, they fucking... He takes off his his protective glove and he touches you on the <laughs> forehead and he takes all of your powers. Yeah, but not not after not 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 until after months of. He needs to be starting in the jersey in the position that Demarcus Beasley has his has his Precisely. eyes set on. Precisely. Whew. That's truth, man. That's but as long as we right can there. keep feeding okay. him new talent. So it's not a poopy-inducing virus, then. Uh, hope's assuaged. Folks, I very <laughs> much like our fears assuaged. Damn it, so close. I very ah. much like uh, windsurfing. I've done it 100 times, totally lying. Never done that. I love windsurfing so much. I also You can love it even though you haven't tried it. <laughs> I'm really into poke. Uh, although I don't agree with anyone who says that it's different than sushi. It's not different than sushi. That shit's sushi. That shit's, that shit's sushi, deconstructed dude. sushi. And I really like skin-tight clothing on, on genders and body types of all kinds. But I don't like any of that stuff as much as I love donuts. 
Let's good go, job, boys. boy. Good job, boys. Really good job. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Kwame and for and for all of you who are listening all of you who are, are not so Kwame grateful. this is so fun <laughs> to do because we get to talk with all of you people we get to do the YouTube we get to um we get to hear your questions we get to get criticized by you in a tongue-in-cheek manner it's very nice uh, on Twitter and um we love when you uh send us pictures of you listening or watching the show listening to the show or watching the show uh when you make uh, jokes with us it 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 has really made this cycle so much more fun than the last cycle doing this show and and being with all of you people thank you very much